0: Good morning, I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. Um, I want to thank all the folks that helped out this week. Uh, the amount of energy uh, that was put into this week was, uh, was tremendous. And uh, I know God's going to bless the efforts. I uh, thank parents and grandparents and relatives that allowed their kids to come, trusted us with them for a week. And uh, maybe it was more getting out out of your hair, I don't know. Uh, But it was a great week and uh, uh, seeds were planted and we just pray that God will grow those seeds. Uh, Unless God changes my mind, we're going to finish up our series without a doubt. And if you're new with us, we do teachings in series, usually take a topic and talk about it for a few weeks. And um, so let's take a minute and review where we've gone with this series. We started out talking about trust on the opposite of doubt, trust begins when you make God a priority and not just a passing thought. And so if he's just a passing thought for you, you, you would have a lot of doubts, that would be natural. Um, and one way to, to reverse that is, is, to, is to make him a priority. Uh, we also talked about when you can't see the hands of God, you must trust the heart of God. So when things don't look like God is there or God is helping or God's doing what we would like... Uh, you got to trust the heart of God. Now you have to know the heart of God to be able to trust the heart of God. Uh, but this is a thing that really helps me when things aren't going the way I would like. If I really know what God is like, then I, then I can relax. I don't need to worry. I can trust Him. Uh, part of that was we talked about a promise. If it's not good, if your situation's not good, it's not over. It's, just, it's simply not over because God promises to make good out of any of your circumstance if we'll trust Him. Uh, it's a promise to those that love God. So if you're not a Jesus follower, it's not a promise for you. But if you're Jesus followers, it's a promise. If it's not good, it's it's not over yet. And then we talked about uh, our concern for friends and loved ones that aren't Jesus followers. And we said, we've got to do all we can do. And then it's, we've got to trust God to do the rest. And if it's been years and years, you've been praying for someone and inviting someone and talking to someone, it gets tough after a while. Uh, but we have to hang in there. And then last week we talked about we should be more concerned about eternity than behavior, short-term behavior. And if we do that, four things we can do to be more like Jesus is to have compassion. Jesus was, was great with compassion. Uh, we talked about being concerned. Now, if you have concern without compassion, much, much, not much usually gets done. And then we talked about the, uh, how important generosity was, uh, Jesus even said, you're more blessed to give than receive. And we talked about uh, the church being all part of that. And that would help us be Christ-like. So today's topic, and this is a biggie. This is one that uh, I know some of you folks are dealing with. Is I doubt I can make it through the storm. The storms of life, the difficulties. Now, it might not be popular for, for preacher types like me to get up here and say, that I have doubts. Uh, but I do. At times I have doubts. And so I think it's universal that we all have doubts. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you have big doubts. Uh, that's why you're not a Jesus follower. You doubt this is all worth worthwhile, if it's important, if it can be helpful, etc. But we have doubts. Maybe doubt about relationships, when, if you're struggling with relationships. Maybe you're lonely. Uh, maybe you lost a spouse, never had a spouse, uh, disconnected from a spouse, or... Uh, that's the storm you're going through. It could be a financial storm, difficulties at work, uh, school coming up. If maybe I don't know too many people went to summer school, but school's coming up again. And maybe that's a big challenge for you. I asked a couple kids if they're looking forward to school, and my universal answer was what? No. no. <laughs> now, I, here's my answer to them, now, depending on their age. Uh, I worked so hard during the summer that school was easier. So I enjoyed going back to school. But we all have our challenges, we all have those difficult times in our lives. Uh, nobody's life is always easy. And so sometimes those are the times we really doubt God in the storms. Now, I'm going to give you out kind of the, the overarching theme for this morning first, and then we'll talk about it as we go through. And we'll be out of here by, by noon unless something strange happens. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so here it is. If you're Jesus follower, the one who is in you... Is greater than what you're going through. The one who is in you is greater than what you're going through. So can we say it together? The one who is in you is greater than what you're going through. Now, we want it to be changed, right? If it's a storm, if it's difficulty in life, we want it to go away. We want to change. But sometimes God wants it to change us. And sometimes the storm lasts until we cooperate with God and change. Now again, this is not for people that aren't Jesus followers. You don't have that one within you. In fact, the only thing that's in within you is you. And unfortunately, you aren't enough to get through some of the storms. Or not get through the storms well. You're all going to get through them one way or another. But not to get through the storms well. So Jesus followers, the one who is in you, is greater than what you're going through. So let's try and hang on to that. Now, we're going to look at a familiar story in Matthew. Well, it's in Matthew. It's in three of the gospel writers. We have four accounts of the life of Jesus. And uh, Matthew's kind of cool because in Matthew chapter 9, he tells his conversion story. He, t- he tells how he became a Jesus follower. And Paul t- talks about how he became a Jesus follower in a couple of places. So it's interesting. Get a personal testimony. Hey, I was like this, and, and Jesus changed my life. So we're going to pick the story up in Matthew 14, which is actually... Right after what we talked about last week, and if you can catch up with that online, so Matthew 14. Immediately after this, last week we talked about Jesus feeding this 5,000 folks, or actually 10 or 15,000 folks, uh, this great miracle and this ministry to uh, personal ministry to personal needs, and this this happens right after that. So the people all ate; they're all filled up, and this is what happens next. So immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. So here's the scenario. Okay, you 12 guys, get in the boat, head across the sea. Now, it's interesting, he didn't ask them, hey, would you like to get in the boat and go across the sea? He insisted. He gave the orders and they were to follow. And sometimes God does that in our lives, doesn't he? Sometimes he gives us options, sometimes he doesn't. he says, this is what you're going to do. And so, they did it. They got into the boat. He even did this before he dismissed the crowd. You would think, okay, dismiss the crowd, and then he goes along with his disciples and send them off. But he sent them off first. Now, this is my my personality. I always ask these questions, why? Why why did Jesus do that? And here's what I came up with. Jesus was a rock star at this point, right? He just fed 10,000, 15,000 people. And so, he was like famous, Well, the disciples were his sidekicks, right? So they weren't rock stars, but their closest thing to rock stars. You know, hey, I'm Jesus's, you know, one of Jesus's best friends. And he or we, they helped, we just fed you guys. And so at this point, they're feeling pretty good about themselves, I'm sure. And sometimes when we get to that place, when we're thinking we're somebody, God wants to protect us from that. Because that doesn't make us... Very useful to God. So he puts them in a boat. We're going to find out what's going to happen to them in a moment. Now implied in this verse is get in the boat. Go across the sea. And I'll catch up with you later. That's implied in here from the story. They're assuming he's going to walk around the lake. And meet them on the other side. Or get in another boat and, 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 and follow. So they're in the boat. They're headed across the Sea of Galilee. Now before we get to the next part. Does Jesus know what's going to happen that night in the boat? Does Jesus know there's going to be a big, a bad storm? Does Jesus know that? Yes. Jesus knew. And he still sent them out. He could have said, hey, don't go out. There's going to be a storm. But he sends them out into the storm. And the same is true in your life and my life. Jesus isn't surprised storms are coming to your life. He sees all of time, and he knows what's going to happen. And so he's not surprised, even though we might be surprised. <clears throat> Now, before I go any farther, I want to address kind of some, what I call ridiculous theology. And here it is. Well, Nothing bad happens to Jesus followers, right? Now, we don't actually believe that necessarily, but it enters our thinking, right? And the reason I know that is because we're surprised when a storm comes, aren't we? And we're thinking, well, you know, God, I love you. I'm trying to serve you the best I can. And this shouldn't be happening, right? Doesn't that thinking enter our minds? I can't promise, or God's not going to promise you are not going to have storms. In fact, I can promise you that you will have storms in your life. Here's one way to look at this. We're following Jesus. Where did Jesus go? Where did he end up? On a cross, right? That's a huge storm. So if we're following somebody that's headed into a huge storm doesn't shouldn't we expect there to be storms but the one who is in us is greater than what we're going through so let's get back to the story after spending sending them home to first the crowd disciples are headed out to sea and he went up into the hills jesus by himself to pray night fell he was there alone now time frame here evidently they fed everybody the disciples got in the boat. The crowd went home. Jesus walked up the hillside. And then it got dark. All right, So evening, evening came. So meanwhile. <laughs> you know kind of these TV shows. They show you one part. And while this is going on over here. Meanwhile this is happening over here. Well the disciples. What's going on with the disciples? The disciples were in trouble. Far away from land. A strong wind had risen. And they were fighting heavy waves. So they got themselves Jesus had led them into to trouble. Now, <clears throat> don't we tend to love people more when they do what we want them to do? I don't know, love, maybe that's too, aren't we uh, tr- more, feel closer to people to do what we want to do? Now, I raised four kids and some of you have small kids. I don't know what the deal is with going to bed at night. What is that? But anyway, kids don't want to go to bed at night most of the time. And so it's usually a struggle, et cetera, or getting a bath, or brushing their teeth, whatever it is. Parents deal with that. But occasionally you'll tell your kids, hey, it's time to go to bed. And they say, yeah, I'm tired, I want to go to bed. And isn't it so so pleasant and easy? And and that's because you'll love them more, but you just are happier with them, right? Because they've done what you want. Now, I don't know if I should talk about spouses. I'll talk about myself. (laughs) So, my wife is happy when I, you know, mow the lawn or fix the things around the house. She's happier with me, right? She feels closer to me. Hey, he's doing that for me. Well, it's the same thing with God, God, isn't it? Don't we feel closer or happier with God when he's doing what we want? We pray for something. We actually get it. Isn't that great? And we feel close to God and and we're happy with God when he's doing what we want. But when things aren't going like we want, when we pray that prayer and it doesn't get answered or doesn't get answered the way we want, we don't feel so close to God. When the prayers are being answered, we don't have too much doubt in our life. When the prayers aren't getting answered, when things aren't going our way, that's when the doubt enters, isn't it? Oh, God, I am. I, this shouldn't be happening, you know. You should be fixing this. You should be taking care of this. I shouldn't be having this problem with my spouse or this this prodigal son or this prodigal child. I shouldn't be having this health issue. I shouldn't have this financial issue. I shouldn't have this career issue, this work issue, this school issue. I I, I shouldn't be having this. You're not doing what I want. So here's something I I want to remind you of. Jesus always sees us in our storm. Now the Sea of Galilee is not very big. And Jesus went to a high place, a uh, hill near the Sea of Galilee. So, assuming there was enough light, maybe the moon was out, he could have seen the disciples the whole time. They were in the boat. He could. And we sometimes think that God's distant, he doesn't see what's going on, he doesn't understand what's happening in our lives, but it's just not true. <laughs> he always knows, he always sees, he always understands kind of like this. Those you have small children, if you take them to a playground or a swimming pool someplace, uh, you keep your eye on them, right? You don't want anything bad to happen to them. And occasionally, they'll, they'll, they'll yell out to you, hey mom, hey dad, watch me. And you may respond this way or may not, but you're thinking this, I'm watching you all along, right? I haven't had my eyes off of you. Well, it's the same thing with God. You know, sometimes we'll, hey God, pay attention here. Well, God's response is, I'm paying attention. I haven't taken my eyes off of you the whole time. And it's the same, it's true of the disciples, it's the same for you and I. So the story goes on about three o'clock in the morning. So here's our time frame. It wasn't quite dark when the uh, disciples got in the boat and now it's three o'clock in the evening. So what's that? Six, seven, eight hours later. So this wasn't like 10 minutes later or half hour later. This was hours later and they should have been way across the Sea of Galilee by then. It should have taken nowhere near that line of time. And But they're out there. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, Jesus didn't come when they wanted him to come. He didn't come when he wished they would come. But he was coming, right? He got there. 3 o'clock in the, in the, in the morning. And it's kind of like this. I, I think about it this way. Sometimes when, you know, you're, you're trying to do something and you need help lifting something or... You'd set something down, or you've got your hand smashing something, you yell for help, somebody's around, you yell for help. And they might get there in 20 seconds, 30 seconds, but it seems forever, doesn't it? And when we're in a storm, it seems like it's forever. Jesus isn't coming, but He's coming. And He was coming to you in your storm when you got up this morning. He's coming, if you're in a storm this morning here at church and this afternoon, and when you go to bed this night, and when you wake up tomorrow morning, Jesus is coming. He just may not be coming when you wanted him to or wished him to. So when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Now, again, why? Well, well, hadn't seen Jesus walking on water. <laughs> uh, people don't walk on water. Uh, so Jesus came in a way they didn't expect, didn't he? And God often comes to us on our storms in ways we don't expect. People tell me or you know, God, they relay to me I think God should act this way or should God should be doing this or God should be like this. And I always tell them this. Anytime I try and put God in a box saying God's going to do this or God's going to be like this God proves me wrong. Because you and I can't put God in a box. God's God, we're not. Can't put him in a box. So he could have met the disciples on the other side you he could have Brought the boat across the other side. He could have calmed the storm. He could have done whatever he wanted, but he came the way he chose to come, walking on the water. And they were terrified. They never seen it, thought it was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. It's me, Jesus. All right? This is a really important lesson for us to learn also. Jesus not only always sees us in our storm, Jesus always speaks to us in our storm. Now, the problem is, what do we do in the midst of the storm? We're either talking too much or complaining too much, right? And so it's really important in the storm to listen because God wants to speak to us. It's kind of like this, when you get on the airplane, you know, the flight attendants get up there and get their little spiel, you know. Uh, there's the, emer- the emergency doors in case there's a problem, I and mean, we're hoping there's no problem, right? And you talk about when the mask comes down, what to do with all that. Uh, if you've been on a plane more than once or twice, you don't even listen to the flight attendant, right? Just get, it, get your spiel over let us, just get our flight going. But, has anybody ever been on the plane when the, ma- the, the oxygen mask actually came down? Well, the flight attendants will tell you, once that oxygen mask comes down, they they pay attention. They want to know what they're supposed to be doing. So what's the difference? We don't pay much attention when things are going good, but when the crisis hits, when the storm hits, then we pay attention, God gets our attention in the midst of the storm and he wants to speak to us. The question is, are we listening? Another way to say this is this, Jesus loves us enough to let us go through a storm. He loves us enough, cares enough about us, that he wants to teach us something. He wants to get our attention. He wants to say something to us. And in our busyness, maybe we're not listening. And God says, okay. (laughs) Interesting thing about God, he can do what he wants, right? He wants to get your attention or my attention. He can do it. And sometimes it's with a storm. So then Peter called out to him, Lord, is it really you? Now, wait a minute. He just said, it's me. It's a strange thing, isn't it? But in our storm, sometimes we don't even recognize God. We're skeptical. God, can you be in this? Can you be speaking to me in this? Is there something uh, for me to learn in this? So he says, is it really you? If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Which is a really strange request, right? I've never seen anybody walk on water before. Jesus walking in water. Hey, I would like to try that. (laughs) So that's what he asked. And strangely enough, Jesus responds out. Let's read the next verse. Yes, come. And she, so Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. In the midst of our storm, if you're a Jesus follower, it's just another opportunity to follow Jesus, right? Now this is a strange place to follow him, walking on water, but he was following him, right? He made that request. He was able to follow him walking on water. So it should be an opportunity For us to see if we really believe what we say we believe. Now in the Greek, this is one word. Come. So what's the one word God may be speaking to you this morning? Maybe it's come. Come follow me. Maybe it's repent. Something in your life you need to repent of. Maybe it's uh, forgive. There's somebody you need to Forgive. Maybe it's give. Maybe you've been not been generous and you need to be more generous. Maybe it's serve. I don't know. What's one word Jesus may be say, saying to you this morning? At this point, Peter is our MVP, right? Most valuable player, person. Eleven disciples didn't get out of the boat. Didn't walk on water. Anybody here walked on water? Peter walked on water water. Well, for a little while. Anyway. (laughs) So, but there's a but. So he's walking on water, but when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink and cried out this prayer, Save me, Lord. And so often we think we can do these things ourselves and as soon as we try and think we can do it ourselves, we find out we can't do it ourselves. And Peter wisely asks, for help now I think he was probably feeling pretty good of himself himself when he started walking on that water right (laughs) look at me probably tell the other 11 guys hey look at me Uh, but didn't last very very long did it and so maybe you're in a place in your life where you need to pray that prayer save me Lord maybe your kids are just driving you crazy Uh, save me Lord from this Maybe, you know, your financial crisis, your prayer is save me. Maybe your marriage is at that place, You're just crying out that prayer, save me. And as we're going to see, it's a very powerful prayer. This story reminds me of a song that was popular 10 or 12 years ago, and so we're going to just play for you the first verse. Oh, what I would do to have the kind of faith it takes to climb out of this boat and the crashing waves to step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is and is holding out his hand. But the waves are calling out my name and they laugh at me reminding me of all the times I tried before and failed the waves they keep on telling me Time and time again, boy, you never win. You never win. The waves laugh at me, telling me I've failed. All the times I've failed. I don't know what waves are laughing at you this morning. One of them that laughs at me is my my lack of self-discipline. And I uh, started this. Well, yeah, Right now I'm eating vegan I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there at that this point, but you know I've tried other diets in the past and failed I, I quit. I go back to eating like I used to uh, right now i'm not running, I'm not exercising you know, for years and years, I exercise, and now my my self is laughing at me, yeah, yeah yeah you, you, you're not exercising uh, quiet time with God, you know sometimes I have a really regular quiet time with God, and the other times it gets i'm not consistent with it and it, my, my lack of self-discipline laughs at me. Sometimes an external laugh. Uh, somebody in your life is telling you, hey, yeah, yeah. You know, you're trying to be a Jesus Father, you, you, you failed in the past. You, you're going to fail again. Maybe that habit you're trying to break, you, know, you tried and tried, you failed. You know, you know, they're laughing at you. So what options do we have? Just feel defeated? Give up? Well, the songwriter gives us a better option. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says do not be afraid. And the voice of truth says this is for my glory. Out of all the voices. have a choice what voice you're going to choose to listen to all these other voices or the voice of truth and in the midst of the storm it's really important to listen to the voice of truth because it says as the songwriter said it's for his glory all things in our life are for his glory so peter cries out lord help me and immediately jesus reaches out and grabs it not ah, peter i don't know if i want to help you or not Maybe you need to sink a little farther first. No, immediately. Immediately he reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Now, maybe you've heard this taught before, and I've taught before, and I, you know, Peter, why did you doubt me? you are screwed up again. Now, that's not the attitude I, I understand Jesus here. In fact, I think he's kind of smiling when he says it. And the way I, reason I say it is kind of like this when you, um, one of your children, small and they learn how to walk and they take a couple steps and they fall down do you say ah what's the matter with you why don't you take more steps you're not angry with them you smile wow you took two steps or you took three steps next time maybe you'll take four steps and I think that's the thing with Jesus here with, with his disciples and the same thing with us you know sometimes we're going to fail but God celebrates our successes more than he condemns us for our failures and that's what he's doing here with Peter but he asked a simple question, why did you doubt me? I got you to, I don't know how long you walked on water, but you, you know, with, my, with faith in me and my help, you walked on water and you could have kept going. Why did you doubt me? Maybe next time you won't. And as we know the history of Peter, that's true. But Jesus reached out and took him by the hand. Was the storm over at this point yet? What's the difference? He had his hand in Jesus' hand. Makes all the difference when we're going through the storm. It's your hand in Jesus' hand. It reminds me of a Charlie Brown cartoon. I love the Charlie Brown. A writer's a believer, so it's uh, got a good, lot of good theology in it. He's at the beach, like some of you have been at the beach, and built this elaborate sand castle, and he's all proud of it, and all of a sudden, it pours down rain and just washes it all away. And then the cartoonist says this, "You know, I knew there was there 's some lesson to learn from this i just don 't know what it is, <laughs> and so if you 're going through the storm, uh, you know you might feel the same way. I you know I there 's a lesson learned this i just don 't know what it is so then the story goes on when he climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they explains so it 's interesting. They were up on the uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter got it wrong, and then they had the feeding of the 5,000, and we don't say, you know, hey, you're 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 God, you're you're, you're the Messiah because he performed this fantastic miracle. But after he rescued them, Peter from the from the waves. You know, the disciples aren't, hey, high-fiving and uh, fist pumping. God did it, right? So they worshiped that you truly are the Son of God. And the disciples had a tougher future than this situation here, didn't they? If we know the history, they were going to face some much tougher do- times and many of them died for their faith. So this was a, a learning times. I put it this way on your outline. When you're in a, you're not in a storm because you're being punished. They weren't being punished, but because they're being prepared. Now, sometimes our storms are our own doing. Jonah's a good example. God said, go over here and tell these guys about me. And he said, no, I don't like them. He headed this way. He wound up in a storm, right? But often our storms aren't our own doing. Job's a good example. Joseph, from his teen years to his 30s, he was a slave or uh, a a prisoner. He was a good guy. And so your storm most likely is not your own doing. If it is, you're not being punished. God's preparing you and it's going to, as the songwriter said, for your glory. So in the storm, we can understand the greatness of God. And we learn stuff we can't learn any other way. That's one reason we're in the storms. And that's not the end of the story. That's usually where we're in it. But there's another verse. And the Bible says this, and I think this is important. After they crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. Not the way they expected, not in the time thing that they expected, but they got there, right? So on your outline, I put this. If you're in a storm, Jesus will always get you where you need to go, all right? It's just maybe not the way you expected, not the time you expected, but he'll get you there. Why? Because he's God, right? Because he's God. And we've all experienced this. We've all been through storms, and God got us where we needed to go. I just want to end with this pushback. I always try and think of some of the pushbacks you guys are going to give me. And here's the one I I came up with. Well, Jesus isn't here. He can't really reach out and grab me. And my response to that is, the church is the body of Christ. And does a body have a a hand? Absolutely. And that's one of the beauties of the church. When you're in the midst of the storm, we're here to to take you by by the hand. But you need to ask ask. For help. So again, the one who is in you is greater than what you're going through. Let's pray and then, then you'll be dismissed. Wow, a wonderful promise, God. It's you're greater than whatever our storm is. And sometimes a storm seems so big it's hard to believe, and that's where our doubts come in. Either it's so big or been going on for so long or it seems impossible. Whether it's, you know, marriage issues have been going on for years and we are just bumping heads or a wayward child for years or some health issue that drags on or some financial issue we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And we're, we're, we're racked by fear and worry and uh, we're afraid of the future. So it's important for us to remember that three word prayer. Lord, help me. And the help may not come in, our, in the way we think or in the time we think, but your promise is, God, that you will help. And we as the church are part of that help. And God, I don't know all the storms folks are going through here, but you do. So help them through the storm, help us help them through the storm. Help them ask you and or us for help through the storm. God, I thank you for the series we've talked about, this this issue that's so real to all of us, whether it's uh, in the storms or other times in our life. And we pray that prayer. The guy said, we we believe, God, help our unbelief, help our doubt, help us to, to believe more, to help us to breathe longer. And we pray for anybody that's not a Jesus follower here this morning that you would take a a step across that line and to begin to trust to make God a priority and your life will never be the same. And you can also say the one who is in us is greater than what we're going through. Thank you, Jesus, for this privilege to teach your word this morning. Thank you for these folks. We thank you for what you're doing here and uh, continue to do. And we're trusting you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.